chapter number 9 is an interesting story. So many times in the, in the Old Testament, we have stories that when we read, we see, and it is apparent and clear that it is simply and just straightforward a picture of Christ and God's love for us. This is one of those pictures. I love the Old Testament. It's so amazing. The habit, though, that we sometimes get into is we read the Old Testament. We see God's hand and moving in these people's lives. By the way, people who have lived, they were flesh, they were bone. They're not some imagination of someone somewhere who came up with a story. They are a Bible account of something that happened. It's not just something that we teach young people to try to encourage them. It's something that's applicable for us. We read this passage this morning, and you can't help but see Christ all the way through. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, can I tell you, this morning, God wants to show you a picture of someone who loves you. If you're here this morning and you do know Christ as your personal Savior... I hope and pray that you're reminded about the greatest gift and the greatest move and help that has ever had in your life. And this morning it's going to happen by looking at a man who was helpless. A man who was incapable of helping himself. A man who had lost everything at a young age. He was looked down on. He was forgotten about. But there was one person, God, who had not forgot about him and uses someone in his life to make a difference. 2 Samuel chapter 9, we come to read about one of the sons of Jonathan. Saul's son, Jonathan, the friend of David. And he had a son, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now, those of you that are expecting, if you want to name your son Mephibosheth, go right ahead. That's a mouthful of a name right there. I can't imagine trying to, 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 to call that child out when he was in trouble or acting up. 2 Samuel chapter number 9, the Bible says, beginning reading in verse number 1, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and I will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. 
And he bowed himself and said, Why, uh, what is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and to all his house. Thou, therefore, and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits, and thy master's sons may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, Said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Zeba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. Such a wonderful story. Uh, those of you that are Christians, you no doubt can see the grace of God in the life of this young man. You can see yourself in the picture. You can place yourself there and you can understand just what God is doing. For just a few moments, I want to look at a portion of Mephibosheth's life and look at a place in Mephibosheth's life that no doubt he never forgot about. A place that he always remembered. A place that God used in his life for a short period of time and God changed his life from it. First thing I'd like for you to look at this morning is I want you to look at living in Lodabar. Living in Lodabar. This place is a a place with horrible conditions. In fact, the word Lodabar, the name, literally means without crops or place of nothingness, if you will. It was a wasteland. There was not a place of food. It wasn't a place of plenty. It wasn't a place of pasture. There were no sheep and no cattle. There were no trees. It, it, was, a, it was a wasteland. This, this was a place that, that people went and, and they lived there and they had nothing. The only way you could have anything in this place of Lodabar was if you bought it. In fact, if you look at that man's name where... where Mephibosheth was living in the house of Makir. Makir literally means sold or salesman. He, he was the merchant. He was the guy who sold things. We'll come to back to that in just a few moments. It's amazing. Here's this boy. The Bible tells us over back in 2 Samuel chapter number 4 that when Jonathan and Saul were killed... The housewife, the the woman that took care of this young prince, if you will, swooped him up because she she knew they were coming for him. It would change things. Something was going to happen. And she dropped him. The Bible says that when she dropped him, he became lame on his feet. If you will, his feet were broken and they never healed. He was helpless. He was hindered. He was in a place where, where it was there. And this place, Lodabar, this young boy living in Lodabar is living in a place that is desolate. With despair. We see in the passage here 
that he even knows what type of situation he is. He understands his own condition, but he understands the place in which he lives too. Look at with me at verse number four of the verse. It says, And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto him, uh, that behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel and Lodabar. Again, that Lodabar meaning without pasture. It's a, it's a helpless place. Look at verse number eight. When Mephibosheth comes before the, the king and look at what he says about himself. He says, what is it that I servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Mephibosheth knew there was no hope for him. There was nothing for him. He considered himself to be a dead thing. And not just a dead thing, but a dead dog. This is an insult. This is a, a, a term in, in the Jewish term to say that you were a dead dog. Or uh, later on in the passage, or in the book of 2 Samuel, we find that a, another king or comes and speaks about the Jews as dead dogs. If you remember... Uh, even Goliath himself used that term, dead dogs. It's a place, it's a term that is literally, it, it, it's nothingness. It, it's, it's pitiful. It's worse than just a jog who was down, looked down upon. It's a dead dog. There's no hope. There's no help. There's no point. There's no purpose. There's no place. There's no reason that this young man says, there's no even point for me to be alive. Why do you, the king... Want anything to do with me? Oh, I know where I'm from. I'm from Lodabar. There's nothing good that comes out of Lodabar. This was the place, if you will. This was this was the slums. This was the trash. This was the gar- This is where people went when they had nothing. They couldn't find anything. There was nowhere to go. There was nothing for them to have. And not was he just there, but he was useless to people because he was lame on his feet. This is a picture of you and me. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that our righteousness, everything that we could compile and put together and squander together and put and try to make into niceness, the Bible says that righteousness is filthy rags. The greatest person in this room before God Almighty is still a dead dog. And I don't say that to condemn you. I don't say that to put you down. I don't say that to try to make you feel bad about yourself. I say that because that's what the Almighty God says, and that is truth. And I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying that about myself. I'm a dead dog before God without purpose, without hope, living in a place of desolation. Can I tell you, Solomon had it right. Vanity is vanity. All is vanity. We live in a world, there's no purpose in this world. You go to work, you you slave, you suffer, you sweat, you hurt, you grow old, you have pains, you slave, you suffer, you work, you sweat. You deal with trials, you deal with troubles, you deal with pain, you deal with hurt, and then you die. And we say, what in the world is this? It's because all we know is Lodabar. Can I tell you, 
every one of us has a time in life where we have found ourselves living in Lodabar. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, can I tell you something? You're still in Lodabar. You're living in Lodabar. It's a horrible place. It's a sad place. But there came a time in Mephibosheth's life where he went from living in Lodabar to where he went to leaving Lodabar. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I don't know that if I were to die right now that I would go to heaven. Can I tell you, yes, you're living in Lodabar, but today could be the day where you leave Lodabar. I'm so thankful that the Lord made a difference in my life at the age of five. I was young. I didn't know everything about salvation. I didn't know everything about God. And let me tell you what, I still don't. I'm finding out more and more every day. But I did come to this. I came to the realization that I was lame. There was nothing I could do on my own. I was helpless. Without God and His love, there was nothing I could do. But one day, the king came. I'm going to try not to get too excited here about this. Come on. One day, the king said, I want to find someone and I want to make a difference in their life. Not because of who they are. Not because of what they've done. Not because of their merit, but because of their father. Can I tell you, God wants to make a difference in your life because of your heavenly father's sake. Jesus made a difference. And there came a time when we went from living in Lodabar to leaving Lodabar. Look with me at verse 5, if you will. First, we have living in Lodabar. Second, we have leaving Lodabar. Verse number 5, the Bible says, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir. This leaving Lodabar was provided only by the king. Mephibosheth didn't go crawling to the king. He didn't find his own way out of Lodabar. No, the only way that you and I are able to leave this place called Lodabar is because the king has made the way. He sent his son to die on a cross, to suffer agony and pain. And as our teenagers found out just just the week before last at camp, his agony didn't start on the cross. His agony started in the garden when he considered the price he would pay for your sin. And he still loved you enough to say, I'll go. I don't want to go. I don't want this, Lord. Nevertheless, thy will be done. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, can I tell you that your sin payment has been paid? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That's not talking about just physical death. That's talking about eternal death. Your soul and your spirit are eternal parts of you. They will live forever. They will either live forever in a place called heaven with God and and His people, or they will live forever in a place called hell, which is death itself. But God said, I love you so much 
in agony over the choice. You and I have been there. You know those times where you've had to make a decision in your life. And the pain of just figuring out what the decision is causes pain and discomfort and worry and hurt and concern over your body. And can I tell you that the greatest difficult decision you've ever made was nothing compared to the decision that Christ made to take your payment on Calvary's cross because He loves you that much and He desires and wants for you and wants for your life to be pulled out of that horrible place called Lodabar and He wants you to find a place and time in your life where you left Lodabar and it can only be provided by the king. It's amazing. The king sought out the cripple. You're helpless. The Bible says there's nothing you can do. Your good works, your kind, your kind time, your, your best service to, to him as far as serving and living and giving money and, and being a good person and taking care of charities and taking care of people. It's nothing to pay for your sin. Your sin cannot be paid for by you. But it can be paid for. It already has been paid for. It's been provided by the king. There was no payment necessary. It wasn't needed to be exchanged in the sense of, I didn't have to purchase it. I didn't have to make an agreement. It was provided for me and handed to me and said, here, all you have to do is take it. If you're here this morning, can I tell you right now, you're living in Lodabar, but you can leave Lodabar. Christians say, amen, I've left Lodabar, praise the Lord. I know I don't live there any longer, that's not my place. You're in Jerusalem, you're dwelling there, but can I tell you the difference between Mephibosheth and our lives and a lot of Christians is, is when Mephibosheth left Lodabar, he left Lodabar, but many Christians today, when they leave Lodabar, they linger in Lodabar. We've got a lot of Christians, if we were honest with ourselves right this very minute, Sure, we used to live in Lodabar. We've even left. But we find ourselves lingering there. Maybe not physically. We may not go to the same places we used to go. We, we, we may not frequent the same establishments we used to frequent. We may not use the same language. We, we might have been refined. We might have been able to clean up pretty nice. But the thing is, is we sometimes we find ourselves in our mind lingering on the things of Lodabar. I'm not necessarily talking about sin. I'm sure there were some good things in, in Mephibosheth's life in Lodabar. In fact, I know there was. You want to know how I know? The Bible tells us. Look again. It says there in verse number 4 that he was, Ziba said unto him, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel. That word Amiel means the people of God. There was good things in, in his life. There was good things. There were some okay things there in Lodabar. There was memories. Not all of them good. Not all of them bad. But Mephibosheth never found himself lingering in Lodabar. We have way too many Christians, me included, when our focus should be on the king and what he's done for us and sitting at his table 
we find ourselves thinking, well, I wonder what my friends back in Lodabar are doing. I wonder how my old house in Lodabar is doing. Can I remind you, if you know Christ is your personal Savior, this world is not your home. This house that you live in is not your permanent resident place. That the things that you have on this earth you can't take with you on the other side. And God never intended for us as Christians to spend more time focusing on our pleasures of this world than the purpose of our God. But yet we linger in Lodabar. We worried about the renovations we're going to do on our house. We worry about the comforts of this life. We worry... I'm not saying it's not wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to renovate your house. I'm not saying it's not nice to have a, a comfortable bed and an AC and, 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 and you know all these things to enjoy. But when we focus more on those things and are worried more on those things and we can't get to church because of those things and we can't come to soul winning because of those things and we can't be bothered to pass out a track because we got to run to Lowe's too quick because we got to get the screws that we forgot or we stripped the seven before and I mean there's there, you, you understand what I'm saying you've been there you know what that is well, just let me linger a little while in Lodabar Lord let me focus on the things of this world just here just a little bit longer this is not the king's table it's amazing to me that the difference that made the difference, the thing that made the difference in Mephibosheth's life. Why? What was it that, that, that caused him not to linger in Lodabar? What was it that he didn't linger? Why didn't he ever go back? Why didn't he ever want to? Look, the Bible tells us in the verses. Would you look with me, beginning here in verse number 11, it says, Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that the, my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, here it is, you ready? Said the king, he shall eat at my table. Go down to, the, to, to verse number 13. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. Here's the key. You ready? Here's the, here, here it is. This is the difference. He did eat continually at the king's table. And here's what we as Christians do. We have the king's table. It can go with us everywhere. We have the king's table. It's provided for us. And we'll eat for a little while. And we'll set it to the side. Well, I've got to get back to the busyness of this world. Let me, let me eat a little bit. And then we don't carry it with us. God's told us, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We have the king's table right here before us, spiritually speaking, if you will. We have the king's table. And the key is it didn't say that he ate at the king's table. It said continually, on a frequency, without interruption, over and over and over. Hey, he wasn't going back to Lodabar for the, the bigger burger. He was eating steak at the king's table, amen? We go back to the world. We're looking for the things of the world, the pleasures of the world, the goodness of the world, the things that make us happy. And look, we all know pastor's not here. He likes a good hamburger. You can look at me and tell I like a good hamburger too. But I tell you what, I am not eating hamburger when I can have steak. Okay, that was weak. Come on. Who would rather eat ground up beef when you can have a big old slab of steak? I'm not going to get started. It's, I'm not going to get started. It's almost lunchtime. 
but we do it. Man, it's nice to have a nice home to go to, ain't it? Have a nice warm bed where the family can gather around a home, happy place. I love when my family is together, my wife and kids, and we're all sit down in the living room. That's amazing. That's hamburger. You say, what? I'd much rather have my family in heaven worshiping and glorifying God for all eternity. That steak. But we linger in Lodabar. We're concerned with Lodabar. We're worried about Lodabar. We can't get our minds off of Lodabar. Not Mephibosheth. Oh, no. He left, Mephibosheth, he, he, he left Lodabar behind and he said, I am never going back. Because I have become one of the sons of the king. I know what it is to sit at the king's table now. I used to eat scraps and I was helpless. I probably got what was left over because I couldn't get to the table fast enough. I got what was left over. I had to struggle and I had to fight and I had to work my way through and I had to just to get a little bit. It was never enough, never enough, never enough. One day, one day the king came to me and he said, I don't care where you're at. It doesn't matter who you are. I know your father and he loved you. And because of his love, I'm taking you out of this place. And I want to take you to something far greater. You will ever sit at my table. You won't have to worry about the things of Lodabar anymore because what I have for you is beyond compare to the waste and desolation of Lodabar. And yet we as Christians, we keep turning our back and saying, I wonder what's going on in Lodabar. You know what the word linger means? It means to stay in a place longer that is necessary because of a reluctance to leave. We got so many Christians that are worried about death, worried about dying, worried about here. And can I tell you one thing? Man, it's going to be a great day when we wake up and see God. When you go on vacation, you don't put up pictures, right? You don't renovate the, the hotel room. You don't renovate the, the Airbnb, the beach house. You go and visit family. You don't plan to stay. You miss your home. You miss your bed. When I go home to see my parents or when we go home to see Miss Elise's parents, we like to go and we don't like to go and get food, if you will, from the restaurants. I want home cooking. Going out to eat. What's the point in going out to eat when I can have some of that good home cooking from mom? And Yet we have so many Christians who can feast at the good home cooking. Fill your heart with soul and satisfying Word of God that encourages you and finds true pleasure and true satisfaction and true purpose. Instead, we'd rather find purpose in Lodabar.
I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm preaching at me. I'm far too often worried about my family and my kids and making sure they're happy and satisfied. And those are all good things. But when I place it in place of my time sitting at the king's table, feeding my soul, I've missed it. That's great. I've given you the truth. I've given you an understanding. We need to eat at the king's table. Can I give you just a few things that I've written down? Many of these you probably go, yep, you're, you're right. That's simple. I know this, but I think it'll be helpful. You may know it. You may have done it in the past. You may be doing it. But I encourage you to find these things. A couple things. One, have a regular Bible time. Say, yeah, that's harder than it looks. Set an alarm. How many of you have a cell phone? Would you raise your hand? How many of you use that cell phone for alarms or reminders for any everything to wake up out of bed? Why can't we set an alarm that says, read my Bible? Hey, maybe you're like me or my wife and you need to set multiple alarms for something, right? What happens if we would take our alarm, new alarm, read your Bible, next hour, new alarm, read your Bible, new alarm, Memorize a verse, new alarm, read your Bible, new alarm, memorize your verse, new alarm, pray for someone. Why can't we do that? Because we're lingering in Lodabar. Right? New alarm, feed the dog. New alarm, clean the litter box. New alarm, take out the laundry. We do all those kind of things, reminders. Oh, I have a doctor's appointment. When was the last time you set an appointment on your calendar to meet with God? Right? These are tools we can use. Why? Because we're lingering in Lodabar. Number two, have a plan. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, come find, come find me. I'll help you find one. You know what happens when we just, well, I'm going to read the Bible today. We end up in Leviticus and we're like, I'm, what's this? <laughs> have a plan. Have a plan. It's the old saying, that has to say that, uh, you know, he who works the plan plans to work. Because it's not a priority. We're lingering low to bar. Why do we not have a plan? Eh, it's not important. Here's, a, here's an idea. Have a partner. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying someone you have to do your devotions with. Have a partner that you share, that helps keep you accountable. If you're married, guess what? God gave you a built-in partner. Right? When was the last time we as spouses, men, let's, let's, let's actually get down to where it is. Where was the last time that we of men of the household looked at our wives and say, tell me what you read this morning. Here's what God gave me. I'd love to know what God encouraged you with. Well, I haven't gotten to it. Well, I look forward to seeing it later. Don't condemn them. You wouldn't want them to condemn you. You wouldn't want your wife to look at you and say, why haven't you read your Bible today? Well, because I've been busy doing your laundry, taking care of your kids, cleaning your clothes, right? There's a reason she hasn't read her Bible. She's pulling out her hair because of all the mess you made. I'm preaching to myself right now. Have a partner. Here's a good idea. Share a truth. 
Man, we're so ready to get on Facebook and share our troubles, share our woes, share our trials, share our things, share all that's going on in Lodabar. Guess what we should be saying? Hey, I've got steak and I want to share it with you. Let me share you what God gave out of my devotions this morning. What would happen if Christians in our church and Christians around this world, instead of posting everything dumb, stupid, and the silliest meme you could find, started posting some truths from the Word of God with the silliest meme you could find. I like memes. It's okay. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Well, I went out, and there was traffic, and I couldn't do this, and blah, 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 blah. Or I tried to do this, and this happened. Man, did you see what happened in our world? It's Lodabar! What do we expect? Right? We expect this world to be great and grandeur. No, God said it's horrible. It's worth of nothing. It's filled with sinners. Want to encourage yourself? Post what God gave you in His Word today. Read with a pen in hand and a piece of paper beside your Bible. This is why, personally, I can't do my Bible on my phone because I get distracted. Pull your Bible out. And when you go to do your devotions, make sure you have a pen in hand. If it's got a cap, take the cap off. Have the paper. Say, why? You know what this says? God, I'm expecting you to speak to me. I'm ready for what you have for me. You don't go sit at the table with steak in front of you and not have the steak knife in hand, right? Uh, If it's a good steak, you may not even need a steak knife. But you understand what I'm saying, right? You're prepared. You ever ever try to eat steak, have a sore tooth, and you're like, I can't do it. Not prepared. Have a piece of paper and a pen ready. Here's a good one. Study rather than just read. Study rather than just read. Show me in the Bible where it says read your Bible. Now it talks about morning and evening, dwelling in the Word. It talks about the Scriptures and all this stuff. But you know what it does clearly say in the Scriptures? Study to show thyself approved. You want to know why so many Christians get so tired of sitting at the king's table? Because we haven't learned to eat steak. We're still eating oatmeal. We're not spiritually mature enough to dig down deep and get that steak. We'd rather go back to Lodabar and have somebody just feed us truth or feed us something instead of digging it for ourselves and finding it there. Find a verse from your reading. You took your pen out, right? You wrote some things down. Maybe you highlighted in your scripture. Have a three-by-five card with you and write the verse that spoke to you the most or the truth that spoke to you the most that day in your reading and take it with you everywhere you go. You take your cell phone everywhere you go. If you have to, change the background on your screen. Put a note, sticky note or whatever on your phone. Tuck it behind the case in your phone. I don't know what we have to do, but we've got to change what we are doing. We've got to do something differently. Take the verse with you. Dwell on it throughout the day when you start to get spiritually hungry because the things of this world start eating at you and weighing you down. Have a verse. 
from the, from the Bible, from the reading that day. You go out to a steakhouse, right? You get this big old delicious steak and the mashed potatoes and all these things. You eat all the sides and there's steak left over. What do you do? You put it in a box to take it home for later, right? Because if there's any left over, I'm talking about you got full. Some of you are looking at me like there ain't nothing left to eat. You know what I'm talking about. You get a big old steak and a, there's some left over. If there's some left over, what do you do? Take it home with you, right? To have it for later. Hey, don't take it home with you. It should be eaten at home. Take it everywhere else with you throughout the day. Some of you take your dinner from the night before to work with you that the next day. Take the steak with you. One last thing. When you start lingering in Lodabar, you find yourself desiring to linger in Lodabar, it's okay to remember Lodabar. How do I know? Because God's given us a memory to remember what he's done for us. Take your Bibles with me real quickly over to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter number 19. 2 Samuel chapter number 19, one verse, another story for another time. Ziba, the servant who had said he would take care of Mephibosheth, ended up lying, turned his back on Mephibosheth, tried to deceive King David. David comes back to Jerusalem, verse number 26, or verse 25, it says, And it came to pass when he came to Jerusalem to meet the king. The king said unto him, this is Mephibosheth, Wherefore wentest thou not with me, Mephibosheth? Hey, Mephibosheth, why didn't you go with me when, when we ran out of Jerusalem? I told you you could eat at my table forever, and you stayed behind. Verse 26, he said, and he answered, My lord... O king, my servant deceived me. For that a servant said, I will saddle my ass that I may ride thereon and go to the king because thy servant is lame. He said, the servant looked at me and said, Hey, I'm going to go get you, get you a donkey that you can ride on so you can go with the king. And the servant went and got a donkey and got on the donkey and took off. Verse number 27, He hath slandered thy servant unto my lord. If you read back just a few verses before, Ziba came to David and told a lie. Mephibosheth didn't want to come. He had no desire to be there. But my Lord, the king, is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. Verse 28, for all of my father's house were dead men before the Lord thy king. Mephibosheth never forgot what God had brought him from. He had never forgot what King David had did for him. He said, King David, I was dead. I was dead when you found me in Lodabar. I had no purpose. I had no hope. I had nothing. I was dead. I was a dead man. Yet. Mm, What a powerful word. Yet. Didn't thou set thy servant among them that, that, that did eat at thine own table? When you find yourself... And Satan's lies say, go back to Lodabar, linger in Lodabar just a little while longer. Think about the things of Lodabar. Can I tell you what you need to do? Remember what the king's done for you. I have a question for you this morning. Are you living in Lodabar? 
Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Is there a time in your life where you prayed, confessed your sin before God and accepted what He did on Calvary's cross in your life? If you haven't, you're still living in Lodabar. If you have, praise God, you've left Lodabar. I'd like to deal first with those who haven't left Lodabar. Today could be the day that you walk out of Lodabar, or should I say that God carries you out of Lodabar. There are plenty of people in this room that will rejoice with you. Say, you don't understand. I've, I've been in church all my life. You don't understand. It doesn't matter. You might understand. You just might feel embarrassed. Can I tell you something? It's okay. There was a day that each and every one of us that do know Christ as our Savior had to come to the realization, I'm never getting out of here if it wasn't for the King. If you're here this morning, and by the grace of God, you can gloriously say, I can take you to the time or the place, or I know that there was one when God picked me up and pulled me out of load of bar. Number one, praise him. Number two, you need to ask yourself this question. Am I lingering? Am I lingering? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to pray and then extend an invitation. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much. God, thank you for being the king that came and pulled me out of Lodabar. God, thank you for loving me in spite of my sin. God, thank you for loving me more than anyone else ever has. Lord, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, may today be the glorious day where they come to know you, where they come to the realization of the truth that God loves them and you love them so much that you went down the load of bar and you pulled them out. And that you've given them an opportunity that they can sit at the table forever, continually. God, help them. Lord, for those of us that are Christians here this morning, who may be lingering in Lodabar, God, would you send your Holy Spirit right now to say, come back to the table. I have so much more for you to do and to be. Help us now. With heads bowed and eyes up closed, I'd like to ask one simple question. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you say, there has never been a time in my life, or let me ask it this way, it better. If you were to die right now, you say, I am not 100% sure I would die and go to heaven, but if there was somebody who's willing to do that for me, I'd sure like to know it. I'd like to hear more about it. Would you raise your hand? Would you slip it up? Say, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I surely, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. Would you raise your hand? I'd also ask, like to ask this question. If you're here this morning and you say, I do know Christ is my personal Savior, I am 100% sure that if I were to die today, I, I know that I'd go to heaven, but I've got to admit I linger and I find myself at times lingering in Lodabar. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? Hands all across this place. Can I tell you something? 
you shouldn't be ashamed. What you should do is just come and ask God to help you. Find somebody near to you and ask them to help you. If you'll stand with me as the piano plays, the altars are open. If you need to come and do business with God, now's the time.